And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. I got to be honest. I, I kind of thought we'd have something new to talk about by now. I mean, it, it's been a week since the last edition of Times Ours here on The Athletic. And I, I'm not saying I thought that Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins, and like Marvin Harrison Jr. somehow by cheating draft rules by a year ahead were all going to be members of the Chiefs by the time we got here. I just didn't think that it would be, you know, pretty much exactly the same as it was when we sat down here last week. And in fact, if you're just a fan of the show tuning in, I've got even worse news for you. This roster's lost a member this week. <laughs> not, not permanently, but like... Nate's at the, the owners' meetings right now. Nate Taylor, professional journalist of TheAthletic.com. So you get these two chuckle dorks. I'm Joshua Briscoe here with Seth Kaiser. And uh, Seth, I'm going to just at some point ask you to try to telepathically commune with Brett Veach to let me know what he's thinking because this team hasn't done anything in the last seven days. It's almost like he's not even considering the fact that it's not June yet, man. <laughs> like... This is not supposed to happen until June. And I, I don't know if I, I I worked harder this year than normal. That feels impossible, to be honest. But huh. I have like, you know, I, I, I can start uh, looking at prospects. I, I've got some all 22 on some college guys this year. and But it, it just, for some reason, I'm having a hard time getting going on it. So like, you know, it was great when the Chiefs, you know, they signed Taylor and they signed Amenehu and they signed tranquil and i still haven't done one on edwards sorry edwards i'm sure you're gonna get plenty of playing time but that's another one i'm having a hard time like yeah they're third safety what do you want like i don't know <laughs> what do you want me to say he's 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 a, he's a competent third safety bucks fans weren't happy to lose him kind of a ball hawk not necessarily a box guy but we'll see i don't know i mean like i i I, I want like something like easy, like like if the Chiefs were to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, that writes itself. Okay, I'm going to go back and watch six or seven games, write about what he does well, what he doesn't do well, how it blends into the offense, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I think I'm like getting like season by season malaise or something. He's yeah. like, I don't want to review 15 wide receiver prospects again. I just did that last year. And the only guy that was considered a top two round type guy that I didn't review before the draft. Yeah. Sky Moore. Sky Moore. And then I was so, here for that. That happened. Yeah. It was a tough, that was a tough chat. <laughs> that, that was a bummer. And then the year before, by the time I'd reviewed like 10 offensive tackles, they traded for Orlando Brown. So oh. it's, it's just, it's all, you know, I think about what King Solomon said when he wrote Ecclesiastes. It's just vanities of vanities. And it's all vanity. It's a chasing of the wind. Eat Arby's. That's in the original Hebrew. That's in the, yeah, the, the original text, actually. It's crazy, but it's a Hebrew word that loosely translates to big pile of roast beef. And yeah. um, it's fascinating. I, you yeah. know, you can 
DM, go ahead and DM Seth and ask him for more details. <laughs> no, it's it, there's just been a lot of nothing. The Chiefs have lost a number of guys. Yeah. But not like the type of guys to where we can really hit the panic button. Yep. Like, I don't mean that disrespectfully to, to, to Brown or to Juju Smith-Schuster or Juan Thornhill. Those are probably their three biggest losses, right? Colin Saunders is a rotational guy. Like, it's not like they don't matter at all. But they weren't like the foundational guys. And so it's kind of like, ah, I think they've had an okay offseason. Like they've been pretty disciplined. I, I like I like the signings they've made, but now a week's gone by, like you said, and there's just not a whole lot to talk about other than trying to figure out why they're not doing anything. And Exactly. <laughs> and that's and hello, friends. That's where we come in. Um, but actually, there, let, let's hit some of the real these these sort of small bumps in the road, because I do think these end up leading to a larger picture. And then we can go through um, your personal journey of, <laughs> well, DeAndre Hopkins sure would be fun to. Hey, what? Why are the Chiefs kind of standing pat here? So I do want to I do want to hit those. But of the smaller moves, there there are a pair of them at the same position. And there's one little is right in the wide receiver. We could talk about McCall Hardman some. But. On the front end, I've believe it or not, Seth, I've got a I've got a juicy take cooking up on the Chiefs bringing back Derek Naughty on a one year deal, and also adding a 2019 fifth round pick Byron Coart. Uh, he was uh, with the Colts most recently. I think it was Colts and Patriots. We're talking guys that uh, you 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 put it dutifully before the show, which is that his name was accidentally misspelled as as Byron Coward in the original tweet. And not that many people noticed. So yeah. um, <laughs> with those two being said, also uh, Ronald Jones signed with the Cowboys. That's going to be a tough era to move on from personally, but he got another ring. So good for him. And Blake Bell is back, which I know we both think is kind of interesting just because of the numbers game there. Uh, yep. And I'm, I'm, I'm saving hard until we get closer to uh, to the receivers. Does anything speak to you at all from the naughty co-arts signings? Um, with naughty, it means that they've got a, a, a nose tackle. You know, that was something they did not have a nose tackle on the roster, technically. And so, I mean, that's nice. You know, um, you know, Coart, I I don't know anything about him. He didn't play a lot of snaps last year. Um, he's not really someone that I think they're counting on to be a big part of the rotation. Yeah. Um, and if they are, well, that's interesting. Um, and hey, ho- hopefully he does well as a chief. But they're just they're kind of roster churn type moves and naughty again he'll he'll probably see you know 300 snaps and you know you need a nose tackle so that's nice it's it's one thing to check off the box right like where you see like this hole in the roster having a hole at nose tackles like having a hole at long snapper like you're pretty sure you're gonna fill it but you're still like well someone should do something about that like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like you know, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for here in life. It's kind of, um, you know, if uh, if if you've got like a drawer in your kitchen that's a little bit loose, you know, to where every time you open it, it's a little bit loose. But, you know, someone should do something about that. <laughs> like, is it? And then two years later, that's just a part of the feature of your island. Yeah, it's it's shocking the number of things that's a there's a Pat McManus joke there where he talks about like you know someday when I don't have anything else better to do I'll patch the hole in my tent. It's astonishing mm-hmm. how many things there are better to do than patch a hole in the tent and duct tape can hold up for ten years and that's really how it works with nose tackle. 
But I, again, I like the guys they've gotten. They seem to have a very measured approach. Although they gave Juwan Taylor a lot of money. Really. They sure did. That is the outlier. No question. Um, but yeah, and and one thing that's interesting to me is, you know, to uh, with so Blake Bell bringing him back, the numbers game is interesting there because this is a really talented tight end class. And maybe they think Noah Gray is your eventual um, tight end. I, I, I'm hesitating in what words to use there because people use yeah. like Travis Kelsey replacement. That ain't going to happen, guys. Yeah. They could bring in they could bring in Kyle Pitts and he wouldn't yep. be a Travis Kelsey replacement. Yep. He is one of one. You will not replace Travis Kelsey. The offense will have to change uh, in hopefully five years when he retires. Um, like my Zoom just cut out, but like I said, in 25 years when he retires. Yes, when 25 years. Well, the way he wins feels like he really does. He He's starting to get to that like that old man game, yeah. which it's like, oh, man, is he going to be that guy that's going to be torching safety? Remember what Antonio Gates used to do with Eric? Yes, Barry? yes. Even after Barry really improved in coverage, Gates just worked him every time. And it was never not funny because he's watching, you know, Gates run like a 5-3-40 out there. And then one of the most phenomenal safeties I've ever seen could not cover him. That's maybe Travis Kelsey's future, and I'm here for it. But you can't replace him. So maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know. It's interesting enough to me. Like, maybe they think that Gray's got another step there. Fortson's, you know, I love Jody Fortson. Glad he's on the team. But he's been around for four years now, so it's unlikely there's, like, this unlocked level there, I think. I'm not agreeing with you, but I'm just sort of humming because I'm not sure I agree with you, but I'm just, you know, I'm not going to fight you on it. It's just hard to say one way or another. And when it's hard to say after three or four years, it's kind of like the conversation about Byron Pringle after last offseason. You know what I mean? Like, so. Well, hey, let's not do this to Jody Forts. I think this is a bad turn for this show. I miss Nate. (laughs) I knew this was going to happen. Nate never would have let this eventually pivot into you kind of backhanded insulting Jody Fortson. This is unacceptable. I don't like Jody Fortson, I think, is a really useful player. I I wish they would give him 50 targets next year. All right, you're getting better. Here's here's my defensive tackle take, because I did see a number of people saying something that I think is big picture reasonable, small picture unreasonable is, oh man, I really hope the Chiefs are going to upgrade at that nose spot. Which I think is, again, totally reasonable in the macro. Right now, though, I don't think there was a, at least for me, and maybe this is just me also getting into the salary cap more than I'm watching the free agents, but there was no nose tackle, other defensive tackle candidate in this free agency group that I would have wanted the Chiefs to spend money on. So I'm also cool with the idea of them upgrading at that position, but I don't really think there was a way to do it right now. And bringing back Derek Nottie and bringing in Byron Coart in no way whatsoever invalidates their opportunity to, if there's a guy they like it late in the second or third round that they think, hey, you know, he could provide a little more pass rush juice than Derek Nottie, but still be a massive humanity in the middle of that defensive line. They can still absolutely draft that guy. And if that's if that guy's there, they should, because Derek Nottie's on another one-year deal. That's just that's something that we've even talked about a little bit with with Mike Edwards last week, and that I'm just kind of honing in on as a very specific drum I'm gonna continue to beat, which is that having competent players, even even pure rotational average guys, whatever your cutoff for that is, having those guys in spots is way more valuable than not having them. Because of the depth, because of the rotation, because of what happens if your number one guy gets hurt. And also, because that way you don't have to trade up and draft a nose tackle 
early in the second round because you didn't have any, you didn't have someone this tall to ride to take an analogy from you that I think is usually more about corners. But in this case, um, you must be this wide to ride in the, in the defensive <laughs> tackle case, I guess. Um, so I just don't want people like panicking that the Chiefs are done at any position right now. I, I think you need to get a level of competence on your roster. And this is reductive, but like the Chiefs have won two Super Bowls with Derek Nottie playing more or less this same role. Um, yeah. I do think it's interesting that he played the fewest defensive snaps of his career last year. Um, 34% of the uh, the Chiefs defensive snaps, 388. You mentioned about 300 earlier, so I just wanted to go check it. Um, and he had been in the mid 400s every year, except for uh, in 2019 when he played almost 600 snaps. But uh, the least usage he got in his uh, Chiefs career to this point, his NFL career to this point, is is last season. I, I think the Chiefs realize that. Well, and I think, you know, nose tackle in some ways is becoming less and less important in the league. Sure. Although with some teams, you know, you, you're seeing kind of a swing back to that. You know, that's the, the the pendulum swinging as defenses get smaller. Now you see some situational value and be able to pound the rock. So you need a guy who can hold up and, and two gap. Um, but no, that is a, a good point. Like you talk about like a certain level of competency that's good to have. Um and now I just want to see them do it at all positions. Like, you know, you don't just have to have positional competency at nose tackle. You should probably have it elsewhere. And that's where it's just, it's been, I get like, so Taylor and many, like, I was like, man, those are great signings. And Tranquil was an unexpected one, but I think a good signing. I think Edwards was a good signing. Like, these are all good signings, but I'm also like, I'm just missing something. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, there's like, yeah. it just feels like, it just feels a little too run it backy to me. Oh yeah. I'm I actually I like that as a note. And I can't offer you a look into the future, which we'll try to do momentarily, but I can offer you a look into something going on right now. I'm currently opening up an Instagram story just so I can see it with my own eyes. I'm not sure if you've seen the uh, screenshots of the tweet come through at all yet. I don't think so. Do you do you uh you want to take don't look, don't look at Twitter, don't look at Twitter, look away, keep your eyes, avert your eyes. Do you want to guess? who George Karloftis is working out with right now. Oh, that I saw. That I did see. So you're, I lied to you just now. That's on me. We've um, got George Karloftis, Tom Bahali sightings, ladies and gentlemen. This is, awesome. this is it. This is the thing. We talked, we talked about this an hour and a half after George Karloftis got drafted. I am thrilled. Yeah, that's, that's, so Holly is like your your high motor, not very bendy guy who needs to win with effort and hand fighting. That's George Karloftis. That's and getting so George. exhausted in pregame that you get your second wind by kickoff, frequently bleeding from your face or maybe other people's faces bleeding on you. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah, that rules. Yeah, you that 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 is objectively awesome. That is like. Yeah, even Colts fans in that game were like, oh, that was pretty cool. You know, like, yeah. it's like, it literally looks like you took a chomp out of him, like you were an extra on The <laughs> Walking Dead. Um, and so Hali is a great guy for Karloftis to learn from, in addition to like to like Frank Clark, because that is, that that's a guy you you want to try to model yourself after, because Hali, he had, I think he had more bend than Karloftis, but he wasn't quite as good an athlete as Karloftis. So, you know, there's give and take there. Yeah. And and he really won with a multitude, like it's easy to just say hand fighting, mm -hmm. but he really had a he he had a variety of swats that he utilized. So like when we were talking about Amenahu, we talked about uh, his he's got a double handed swat that he utilizes. Some people call it a scissors swat, and I I don't really care what people call stuff. I just try to describe it. Um, 
it really takes a long time to develop placement and to be able to do that stuff in real time and to be able to have a multitude of different swats is impressive. One-handed, two-handed, like Ali could do a variety of things and he would build off them. And so his like ability to pass rush with a plan, that's a great thing for a young guy to learn. So that's awesome news. And it's good to hear Carl Loftus is, you know, honing his craft because a big part of how their defense looks next year, um, hopefully with a contract extended, revitalized even more Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. Another thing that hasn't happened. Maybe that's where my malaise is coming from. It's like, well, you know, they're a little tight against certain things. It's like, well, you know what you could do? Yeah, I got an idea for how to free up a big boat full of money. Yeah, do I know what he wants. Yeah, and that's, I mean, because it's just so weird to me, the idea that they would go into Chris Jones's last year of his contract with that much money. I, I It seems like an easy fix. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, a lot of it's going to depend on the, the you know, Amenahue signing, which I think I've, I've told you, I think he would have been the second best pass rusher on the team last year. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to do real well. It's going to see you. So does Mike Dana take yet another little step forward? Because that's all he's done since he's become a pro is take little steps forward every single season. Um, last year being the biggest one. But like, does Karloftis take a step forward? Because then suddenly maybe you're in a situation where you've got three dudes all of a mm-hmm. sudden instead of one dude and then a bunch of competent guys. There's a difference there. Yep. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to write an article in time soon explain the difference between a dude and a guy. But I feel <laughs> like you know what when you see it. Like, I'm trying to think an easy... Uh, oh, um, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to remember his last name right now and I feel terrible about it. But uh, but uh, Tom, formerly of, of television coverage, Martin. Allie's husband. Martin. Martin. Tom Martin. Martin. Sorry, Tom. Man, someone's going to share this and I'm going to feel like a real jerk. So, like, Tom is a dude. I'm a guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was so confused as to where you were going. Yeah. Like, he's I was a, like, how does Tom play into this? I yeah. get it. Uh, this is the second time I've referenced him on this podcast. Because <laughs> I remember the other one was when you and Nate guessed who I was talking about. When I talked about the first game I ever covered, and there was a ridiculously yep. handsome man there with a the camera. Like, oh, yeah, Tom. Like a Lego man came to life. I mean, yes. it is <laughs> it's the genuine. hair and everything. It's genuinely incredible. But I mean, that that's, I think, the easiest way to say it. You know, God, I wish anybody do. talked about me the way you talk about Tom, man. I mean, you are yeah, you are lusting right now. <laughs> this made, is a, in, uncomfortable. He made quite the impression that one time I saw him and we didn't talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's just an easy thing to tell. You know, there's a this, are you, did you, do you just miss high school of just like looking across the rooms going... I bet if we talked, it would, well, probably wouldn't go that well. But, man, looking at you from over here sure is a nice thing I'm doing right now. What's that? Uh, you know, I, I I, I, clearly did it wrong. I've got a lot of those repressed feelings. You know, those are things I'd love to explore. But you got to remember, Josh, that I'm now at 20-year reunion age. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that would get a, oh, the involuntary <laughs> laugh. Is it did. Said. No. Um, you're right. That's true, though. That one just sort of slipped out because it was you reminding yourself that you're old instead of me actually doing it. No, it's bad. I, a day doesn't go by where Jazz, my awesome, hot, incredible wife of all my children, <laughs> she, uh, she, she, like, man, you're in your late 30s. And the way she says it, like, she might as well just be like, so you fat, disgusting, horrible excuse for a man. <laughs> like, it's like, you have to say it with that tone. 
Anyway, uh, pass rushers. So he says a d- it to you so often, and every day you get one step closer to hitting the DM button on Tom's Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. Every day, I'm going to do it. I'm done. One more. She says it again, I'm going to do it. Today is the day that that sup gets sent out into space. <laughs> um, so anyway, there's a difference between dudes and guys on the pass rush, and Karloftis developing even just one signature pass rush move. Because that's really all it takes when you have some other toolsy type stuff and a really good motor. Give yourself something that you can win with with a little bit more consistently. Because then you can build off that, right? You know, it's the, it, you, then you, you you need a move to get a counter move. And right now he doesn't really have a move other than, you know, effort and motor and strength, which is great. But that, that would be, that would be one of the things that could really help raise Kansas City's ceiling on defense next year would be him taking a step forward and, you know, whether my wife still loves me or not, you know, is up for debate <laughs> is what we're saying. I mean, look, as you already said, just just effort and a, a, a high functioning motor. I mean, that, that can't get you a long way as you as you and George Karloftis have both clearly proven. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to step back into analysis as smoothly as you just were. That one sent me for a loop. <laughs> Um, we went on a journey yeah, there. This people. Well, I just wanted ask, to say that I thought it was nice that Tom Bahali is working with current members of the Chiefs. And that makes me feel good. There's just a. I love that yeah. sort of connectivity through eras. And that was a thought I had seven minutes ago before I realized how difficult of a place your marriage was in. <laughs> yeah, had you known, you would have started <laughs> off with. Uh, you would have started off with, "How you doing, Seth? Everything yeah. okay?" Yeah, it's the uh, it's the old line. There's a there's a there's a there's a comic strip thing where the, these two guys are, you know, in medieval times. And the one guy looks at this other guy. He's like, hey, you see that horse over there? I bet if we melted it down, we could use it to stick stuff to other stuff. <laughs> and the other guy looks at him and goes, everything okay at home, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where it came. Yes, that is. Wow, that is perfect. But in this case, the horse that you're melting is Tom. So once yeah. again, <laughs> I don't know that he loves his spot in this metaphor. But until until Seth meets another handsome man, I think he's the only one in your Rolodex, which is the other thing about it that's just really challenging to me. Is like that Tom is so clearly your type that it's like, well, he's the only guy I can think of who I'm comfortable just acknowledging is significantly more handsome than anyone else I've ever met. Like, I don't. Tom's a handsome man, but I'm not. Like I don't, he's not my only example for what an attractive person is, you know. I I don't I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm I've got this feeling that I haven't had since the Troy Aikman debacle about <laughs> letting this go live. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, we record another twenty minutes before I end up with an HRO, a harassment restraining order against me. Oh, see, this is what happens when you just make random jokes. You you just pick things and it becomes a bit. And now that we've really leaned into it, look, time's ours, listeners. There's no reason to to, to get people involved in this. <laughs> There's no need ourselves. to make anyone uncomfortable. It's only hey, everybody, just be cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just be cool, guys. <laughs> but no, that's what happens when bits become bigger than they should be. I will find a new... Um, you know, I'm I I am a guy. Uh, uh, Stephen Amill from Arrow is a dude. There, you've talked. You've also talked about him before in a way that has made type. me a little nervous. You really do. Wow, because <laughs> this that's an old that's an almost entirely sports like ESPN Kansas City conversation, I believe. Which is that if if uh, is it is it how is it his last name pronounced? I shouldn't ask you that. 
Um, well, I think it's I think it's pronounced Tom Martin. Mel, <laughs> um, whatever you have said before, if that guy from Arrow showed up at my house, I would just pack my bags and leave, so yeah, my wife I, didn't have to go through the go through the difficulty of explaining to me why it was time for me to go. Yeah, no, there's no need to go through those explanations. That <laughs> just, just happens. <laughs> and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Call one eight hundred Directv. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Oh, man. Hey, I wrote about the Chiefs wide receivers. I'd love to talk about it, Seth. I also think it's kind of interesting the deal that McCole Hardman got. Um, yes. As he is now a member of the New York Jets, and I do want people to know we do not stop and restart this show. There is no edit point. This is just us now remembering that we have to finish doing this podcast about the Chiefs, <laughs> which is genuinely interesting. And you can read along uh, with uh, with Nate's work here, uh, with Seth's work at mnchiefsfan.substack.com, and Nate's work up on The Athletic, but obviously he's not here right now. He's at the owner's meeting, so I'm guessing he's going to come back with some good stories from that next week. Um, but McCall Hardman's deal ends up being one year, $4.5 million dollars. Um, the, the cap hit, the total guaranteed is a little over 4 million. Um, there are incentives. It was originally reported as one for 6.5, I think. And the void years stretch out a signing bonus over five. It's kind of a whole deal. Um, but in his press conference, he, um, he kind of made it sound like he was asked if the chiefs, you know, pursued him and offered him a deal. And he said, no, not, not really. I don't, uh, didn't really hear anything. Um, which I have a couple of theories as to how that could have made sense both from the chief's perspective and frankly from Hardman's as well. If, if he seems to believe that like he didn't necessarily get all of the wide receiver one opportunities here, um, which is somewhat true. And also I think partially because he's not 
fully Tyreek Hill, but I like McCole Hardman. I, I hope he um, has a, a great year with uh, Zach Wilson, whoever the quarterback is there in New York. Currently, it's Zach Wilson and, uh, and maybe Randall Cobb. And I, I have a better chance of being the quarterback for the Jets next year than Zach Wilson. Does. I just actually saw a tweet from earlier this morning that someone had retweeted. It says, Robert Sala says Zach Wilson will be QB2. It's like hilarious because I think he might be the only quarterback on their roster right now. It's like, dude, you are you just got benched for a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> it's, the, you, are, you got benched for the idea of someone. Yes, that's right. <laughs> like the essence of Aaron Rodgers is QB1, Zach Wilson's QB2, and uh, we will find just a 49er if we have to throw some, we'll bring back Joe Flacco. Yeah. With that being said, um, what, what did you think about? Let's, let's call it one year, four and a half million for, for Hardman plus incentives and everything. Um, what did you think of that deal and, and the chief's decision to apparently not be in at, at that number? I think it's demonstrable. It, it's a similar thing with Juju Smith Schuster. Like, you know, just earlier there was a, a video report that was up on Twitter where they were talking about, wow, well, you know, the Chiefs weren't really in at that price for Juju. They got kind of priced out of the market. And it's like, man, his deal, like even to say it was, you know, like, you know, three years, 33 million or whatever, like that exaggerates that deal because yeah. there were a lot of incentives in it. Like both the Hardman deal and the Juju Smith Schuster deal are deals that they 100% could have done. And that's what makes it kind of interesting that they chose not to. Because, and that, that's, I think maybe that's why this um, lack of action feels so intentional mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, you know, you know, Veach hasn't just been sleeping for the last week. Like, oh crud, I knew I missed something. You know, like, <laughs> uh, was I not supposed to turn my phone off? Like, but it, it just, the, the, these are guys they could have had where they've, they've said, oh yeah, we would love to have them back. And then it's like, well, you know, yeah, it's kind of like one of those things like, you know, oh, man, you know, I'd love it. We could get together sometime. Well, I'm free next week. Nah, I'm good. Like, it's like, well, I mean, would you really love to have them back? Like, I don't know. And so it it just feels as though there's very strong, like, no, we we know something kind of vibes. Or maybe that's just wishful thinking. But a Hardman certainly could have been brought back for that price. And considering his role on the team in previous years it's at least somewhat surprising that they didn't and so right, that, because that, that, that makes it interesting to me it, the, the idea that let's say Kadarius Tony's wide receiver one right if we're kind of buying that idea and I think you and I are both very high on Kadarius Tony but also neither of us are physical trainers and so that scares us fair yeah I think that's fair and like yeah so, the injury stuff is yeah so so let's just let's just say though that like, hey we we are on board with like Kadarius Tony's super high ceiling. It's not like the Chiefs couldn't have found a way to use McCole Hardman. Yeah. We, I think we're also on the same page that hey Sky Moore doesn't need to be running those jet sweeps. E- even if McCole Hardman doesn't like being the jet sweep guy and thinks he's got more to him than that, and to some extent he certainly does. Um, what the extent is that's for the Jets to find out, I suppose. Now, but like in the role he's been in, as you just said, that role could still exist here now. The price points. For Hardman, for Juju, frankly, for Jacoby Myers, if they were interested. There, there has right. not been a wide receiver contract in free agency that the Chiefs would not have been able to reasonably afford. I don't mean bleep the cap, it, it, none of it matters, eat Arby's. Um, <laughs> but like, it, there there would have been an argument for us to sit here and make for like any of these deals as to why it could have made sense. Yeah. Um, even that Adam Thielen one, like it's, it's too long of a deal, but I could talk myself into aspects of that. So I'm just reiterating what you said, but it it feels like all of those decisions 
to fold your cards. I'm going to mix metaphors now, but it, it it feels like you're saving up for something almost, or at least you're really waiting for a hand you're in love with. And so one, my, my concern, I suppose, and then I'll let you kind of give us what you think the most and least likely outcomes or, or logics and all this could be. You've already written about the newsletter, but my, my slight concern in an overstretched poker analogy is that they just keep getting okay hands and constantly folding. Or, you know, maybe you throw in a couple of chips and you say, no, you know what? I, I, I had a few bucks in there for this juju hand and I'm now I'm out now. And and I do kind of wonder that like that they're just people are walking away from the table. It, chips aren't really flowing anymore. And are you definitely going to be able to again, mixing metaphors now, like we're now we're playing uh, poker at a Chuck E. Cheese. But like, are you saving up tickets for for Odell Beckham? And if so, are you definitely going to be the first one that gets enough tickets to to cash in for him? Uh, you and. Know- and it's just Maybe a little, it's a little musical chairs, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just, it's a little, it's, it's a musical poker chairs, um, taking place at a Chuck E. Cheese or Dave and Buster's or something. And it's just, it, it is making me uneasy, which does not say that I don't think the chiefs could have a plan here. I'm saying if they do have a clear plan, which they most likely probably do, I'm, I mean, they have a plan. I'm not sure that I'm going to love it with the options that I can currently see from here. So. What do you think the most likely of these options are? What are you kind of rooting for, maybe even? And then we can kind of work our way through the list of what may end up being results here, even if it's not what they'd like. That was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> no. It was a lot. Basically, I... basically, Seth, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? That's a much more succinct way of framing it. Well, it really does come down to, you know, okay, why? And this is where it becomes kind of an interesting thought experiment. And I don't know, maybe it's because there hasn't been a lot going on. But my last couple of uh, of articles uh, on the newsletter, I've kind of started off with kind of like some, you know, 5,000 feet in the air things about like, well, you know, it's it's valuable to at least try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and think, okay, why would a reasonable person do whatever? Mm-hmm. Why would a reasonable person hold this particular view? Because I think something's something we often do is when someone does something we don't agree with, we assume it's because they're stupid or ignorant or insane or, you know, whatever, right? Weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Evil. Yes. This yeah, is a good lesson. Evil. Yeah. Whatever it is. And, and, and you know what? Maybe sometimes that's the case. It's hard to say, <laughs> but it's good to be able to think, okay, well, why? Because like what people are like, well, Veach is asleep at the wheel. Okay. That seems unlikely. Yes, correct. Like, he's probably not asleep. That, okay, so if we rule that out, you know, oh, he's just so arrogant. Okay, maybe, but what what are the actual reasons the Chiefs would have for being so quiet? Because like you said, it, it kind of feels like they're waiting for something, and you get kind of like that, you know, I, I do like the, the poker analogy of you've got hands that are, you know, okay, but not great, and so you yep. just fold over and over and over again. You you never you never really try to even, you know, take a look at the flop because you're just like, nah, I don't know. You know, I've got to, you know, you know what? I'm not even going to bother to try to pretend because someone who actually plays poker, like actually <laughs> and not just for fun sometimes is going to be like, well, did you know actually that a pair of eights is an incredible habit? Okay, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Um, but then I would need to understand they're not saying that to me because they're evil. They're okay. <laughs> so. Like for me, it, it does kind of get that that vibe though, where it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna be cautious, cautious, cautious. And you can kind of see where while that's 
sound reasoning in some situations. There are other times where it feels like sometimes you got to go all in. Like, like I think Ballard has done a good job overall with some things with the Colts, but they've kind of like gone, they're doing a bunch of half measures at quarterback. Absolutely. And it has cost them. And then they, they, this year, they're not really committing to like a rebuild. Like they could have traded DeForest Buckner. They could have traded some of these stars that they have and said, no, okay, this hasn't worked. We are, we are rebuilding. Let's get this done. And they're not. And eventually you have to, you, sometimes you just got to go in. You can't count on, well, that good hand's going to come around eventually. Well, it, it, mathematically speaking, you are correct that it'll come eventually. But there's no guarantee that you're going to be there when it does. You know, if you, if, if, if you go broke beforehand. And so, like, I, that would, you'd almost akin it to, like, musical chairs where, like, you know, you're sitting around to, you know, you're trying to grab the perfect chair. And in the meantime, there's multiple perfectly fine chairs. And then you, you know, lose out because you were waiting on Odell. Or you really thought the price would come down on DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm not saying that's what's happening. It's just a fear. And so trying to figure out where the Chiefs might be coming from, I, I, I wrote about, I, as I see it, there's four reasons that, that like logical kind of overarching reasons with, with, you know, you could come up with like subcategories, but let's not do this. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yes. As to why they would do what they're doing. And I'll go, I'll go in reverse order. How's that sound? Sure. Oh, I love that. Um, one, they're going a new direction with Mahomes and like the plan for the offense that, you know, they saw 2022 as proof of concept. We don't need an elite receiver or even one who's like a legit number one receiver because Mahomes, Kelsey, Reed, and a good offensive line with a good running back are unsolvable. That's, you know, they're not unsolvable, but, you know, they can still get a really good offense out of it and they can devote resources elsewhere. You know, oh, we'll run, you know, a bunch of 13 personnel, whatever. The other one, they plan on being two. They plan on really being really aggressive in the draft, a wide receiver. Like I'm talking like trading up for Zay Flowers aggressive or something, you know, that really moves the needle. We're going to grab a guy in the first round and a third round. We're going to trade up for our guy, whatever. The third, that one of these two rumors or something similar is true. They're going to trade for Hop. They're going to assign Odell. They're going to trade for insert some name here that we haven't even thought of because I'm sure there's guys available that we don't realize are available. And then fourth, that they're just higher on the in the known in-house talent than the fan base is. And just to be clear, that's what you're saying is probably the most likely of these options? I think so. Like, you could talk me into those last two flip-flopping them, that they've got kind of a big plan. Um, It's just the total lack of action, the lack of urgency in bringing back Smith-Schuster, the lack of urgency in bringing back Hardman, sure makes it feel like you're not afraid of a terrible floor. Like yeah. you don't think your floor is so low. Like, and, and, and I will say I'm way more worried about the floor than the ceiling at this point. Yeah. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is the ceiling. Mm -hmm. You are always going to have the ceiling of an elite offense. The floor, especially in situational stuff is matchup dependent. You have guys who can beat man coverage and you're not forcing Kelsey to perform a miracle or Mahomes to scramble or Reed to call up, you know, you know, some, you know, some good concepts, whatever. I, I, I think they're not behaving like a team that's afraid of that floor. And that to me, the most obvious thing there, because, and I suppose it goes in, it's worth noting why I wouldn't believe the other ones would be true. The completely, you know, up, oh, we're going to do a completely different style moving forward. 
that kind of flies in the face because everyone's like, oh, well, they showed it. They traded away Tyreek Hill. Yes, but that same year, they also paid, even one of them was on a short-term deal, but a couple of, of medium veteran-type deals, um, with Juju's being a little less expensive, but it was incentive-laden. And a lot of those incentives were ones that, if he stayed healthy, he was always going to earn. Um, MVS was kind of a medium contract. So you did two of those, spent a second-round pick, and then spent a third-round pick in change to get Tony. That's a lot of investment at wide receiver. That doesn't scream, we're moving in a new direction. Um, in terms of counting on the draft, that doesn't make sense to me necessarily because, I mean, they just spent a pretty high draft pick on wide receiver last year, and he played like 300-plus snaps. Are we? Is it safe to assume that we are fully in basically like uh, just, just red shirt year mode on wide receivers that the Chiefs select? I mean, maybe with maybe you could end up with a really shocking exception, but that that's kind of the assumption I'm under at this point, right? That's how it feels. And like, there's been a lot of talk recently about whether or not receivers developed under Andy Reid. And I thought it was kind of interesting, at least to think about. And there are guys who contributed as rookies, but there's never been a guy who like came in and played, you know, 80% of the snaps and got, you know, 90 targets. That just doesn't happen. And that includes Tyreek Hill, who obviously didn't come in fully formed at all, mm -hmm. but was also probably one of the five most like athletically talented individuals to ever play the sport. And you just don't you just don't see it. You know, they get they get brought in, like you said, kind of red shirt. They run some of the, you know, the the gimmicky type stuff. You give them some, you know, hey, let's see how you can do a stick. You know, let's see if you can run a slant and you bend it at the right. And Pat just threw a pick because you didn't go to the right spot, yep. Sky. Like, yep. you know, and then that sets you back in snaps the next game. Um, I think it's pretty safe. And so it's weird to me, like the idea that that would just suddenly change with a first round guy, even as much as I like some of these guys. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, because of those reasons, it seems like the most likely thing is they really think that they're going to snag a veteran that they can trust and not just trust to play snaps, like not like a Justin Watson thing, but actually have a pivotal role in the offense. Cause Juju had a pivotal role in the offense last year. Yeah. That's what you're trying to replace. And the thing that makes the most sense to me is you either think you've got a guy who can do that. Or you think you've already got a guy that can do that, right? You've got one potentially on the hook. Or they think, oh, hey, Sky Moore, intermediate short stuff with a little bit of deep stuff. Oh, yeah, 100%. He can do that. So those are what make the most sense to me. But it has to be one of those four. And the thing is, we're not going to know for like months. I think this is the malaise. This is why. I need to know. And I yeah. don't. Let let me ask you this about Sky Moore, and then we'll we'll wrap up. And ten minutes after the show ends, maybe we'll get some news. At this point, I wouldn't even be that mad about it because at least it would be something happening. The malaise. We we went on a journey talking about Sky Moore last year, and I I am I'm inviting you to kind of give the full recount of of kind of your your view on him because. This isn't coming from a place of like, we just are out on Sky Moore. We don't think that he's going to be able to make this jump. It's it, it. You almost have to compare for me what Juju Smith-Schuster did in this offense uncommonly well. And the places where even with a lot of good things to say about Sky Moore, you would have your concerns and your questions and your doubts about his ability to suddenly be a legit number two receiver in this offense 
and again with Kadarius Tony, I just it's all health. I, I don't have any concerns with him other than health, and I'm willing to give him at least kind of number two option off Travis Kelsey. That sounds like a great one too if he's out there for the majority of the games. But I, I don't know. Do you, do you understand kind of what I'm getting at with the Sky Moore Juju thing for maybe yeah, for people completely. who are tuning in? Okay, go for it. Yeah. Well, so with Juju Smith Schuster, I mean, he was able to make contested catches. He did pretty well with yards after catch, and he did a nice job. Um, reading and diagnosing, you know, zone coverages and where he's supposed to be in the offense. He learned Reed's offense quickly. He's a smart guy and he was able to kind of help eat up zones. So he gave teams another threat to worry about there. And in man-to-man coverage, he was able to do just enough in terms of some of the back shoulder throws and stuff to make teams pay a little bit. And so you do those things. So, So he was an above average slot receiver, basically. That is not impossible to replace. They just ha- don't have anyone that's shown they can do it. Mm-hmm. Like consistently. And so that's where I think to me it becomes an interesting conversation that it's weird that a guy who played at the level Juju Smith-Schuster did last year, which again, above average, a type of guy you want on your team. But that shouldn't be like if you unplug that, it turns off the whole system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so I think you're, you're and it's interesting. We really have glossed over Kadarius Tony, and that's because I think anyone that watched the Chiefs last year, I think would agree. Like, oh yeah, if he's healthy, I think he's going to put up numbers. Yes. Um, he just it was pretty clear that they liked him. They thought they could rely on him. He's a great fit for their offense. But it's just health. Like if he misses eight games next year, that's problematic. So I, I just uh, they they need. In my opinion, at least it like Tony and Moore are both guys that on paper have some so the, the skill sets that they probably need. The problem is neither of them has shown they can do it in a larger role. And Tony has struggled very much with health. So it just seems like such a gamble to, you know, continue to use the word gamble to go along with your poker analogy. Yeah. And with also that in mind, I'm thinking like, OK, so just like a reliable guy who is going to pick up the offense quickly and be could be a if it's a safety blanket or a floor setter or whatever that's not it's not really Odell Beckham or DeAndre Hopkins those guys have both had their injury issues and missed some time and all of that so I don't I don't know man that's that's where that math starts to to give me final numbers I'm not as excited about because I just there there is no easy answer to this point and not that the easy answers would be the smartest ones, because like I think that might have been bringing back Juju, and I'm not sure that is what they needed to do there. But right, it'll be fascinating. And uh, good news is we've got plenty of time to continue sorting through it. Maybe we'll even have some new news by the time next week's episode comes back around. We should, should certainly have stories from Nate Taylor from the owners' meetings. You can follow along with him on Twitter at by Nate Taylor and read his work on the Athletic. Seth is at real MN Chiefs fan and mnchiefsfan.substack.com, and you can follow me across socials at JB Briscoe. Seth, Nate's not here. You get the outro. I really am not a creepy guy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.